0: Football Social Daily, the crown awaits with a 100% up to £150, plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at KingCasino.com. Over 18s only, terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly, be Hello,
1: welcome to Football Social Daily, Premier League news and opinion in podcast form. Not quite seven days a week as we normally are because the season of course is over for the time being but the 12th of September is the date you need to mark down in your diaries because that's when the season starts again and that's when we'll be back to seven days a week. But for now, just three podcasts per seven days to get your teeth stuck into including today on a Friday where we do our AQA podcast. AQA stands for All Questions Answered and we've got some great ones to get through on today's show. Not only will we be answering your queries we'll also be looking ahead to tonight's return of the Champions League, Manchester City take on Real Madrid Manchester City fans understandably nervous can Pep Guardiola scoop that European crown that he's been hunting for ever since he arrived at the Etihad back in 2016 also Premier League clubs have voted on the five substitution rule that will be scrapped for next season the short-lived rule that was in place during Project Restart will be no longer but is it the right decision we'll be asking today's podcast pundits Marley Anderson hello Marley hello mate and we've also got Steve McNaughton hello Steve
2: greetings, we okay?
1: I'm very well, how was your time off Steve? I know you had a bit of time away.
2: Uh, yeah it was not too bad mate, you know it was spent in the the good old UK you know camping and days out and stuff like that so things to entertain the kids as
1: you can imagine. Sounds good and um, um, Marley your seven days hasn't been as entertaining because I think there's been lots of drilling and banging and building work going on next door. Yeah I think next door's
3: somehow having some uh, some brand new windows and front door I think fitted so it's just been like Constant soon, like half eight in the morning, the van pulls up, and uh, you know, all the drilling and banging starts, which is great, but. I'm trying to get my house on the market, so I'm trying to uh, trying to
1: get out before it all finishes. To be honest. <laughs> Anyway, let's get straight on with today's agenda. My name's Niall and uh, first up, we're going to talk about Manchester City versus Real Madrid. That game takes place this evening as the Champions League returns. It's been a while since we've seen Champions League action. And of course, there are still ties that are in the balance. Let's not forget Chelsea are in action too against Bayern Munich, but... Somewhat dangerously, we're all kind of writing off a Chelsea comeback. They are quite comfortably behind against Bayern. So let's focus on City versus Real Madrid, where Manchester City do hold the upper hand, Mali. Pep Guardiola has said, pretty much since he knew Liverpool were going to win the league, which was ages and ages ago, that the Champions League has been his prior his prime objective um I mean they've got to see off Real Madrid Real Madrid look more rejuvenated than they did um when the first leg did take place before the lockdown period so can you see this one being um a lot trickier for Manchester City now than it was originally Uh, I think so yeah um I think I mean I said on I think it was
3: Wednesday's podcast that I think this is going to be the the very best Real Madrid that you can get um with with no distractions with the league one and and already over and um, you know they've had what a couple of weeks now to just concentrate purely on this game and come up with a formula to uh, to try and turn over the one the one goal deficit they, they've got. So um, I know it's the same for Man City as well, um, and obviously City are still favourites to uh, to go through with that with that advantage, but um, and the two way goals as well. But you know Real Madrid have got such a love affair with this competition that they're not gonna they're going to try and win it for the the fourth time in in 5 years and continue that sort of domination of the of the whole thing they're not going to want to uh, give up easily and uh, they're going to want to complete the uh, the double because they've already got the first la liga mm. in you a, know in a, in a few years i think um so they want to finish that off with uh, with the champions league and uh, obviously with city they need to do it because it would be the perfect way to rub it into you if his nose is uh, about the uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport thing coming back to to bite them in the arse, but it's going yeah. to be a good game. It'll be a really really good game. Um, it's a shame though. No, shame no fans are there to see it, but it is what it is. And uh, I think we're in for a cracker, to be honest.
1: I hope so. Although the one question mark over. Real Madrid from a squad perspective Steve is that Gareth Bale has been completely omitted he won't be playing against Manchester City Um, understandable given his kind of ruptured relationship with Zinedine Zidane but considering what he's done for Real Madrid in the Champions League he's basically won them the competition almost on his own In from a final perspective anyway in, in that sort of context a couple of times over the last five years so I mean although it's not a surprise that he's been left out is it a foolish mistake from Zidane well I think there's there's
2: there's obviously Serious relationship issues with the two, and I think, you know, it, it, it's obviously stemmed into the fan base as well because the fans that don't really like him either. Uh, even considering what you've just said about the two finals, certainly that that victory against Liverpool in um, in in twenty eight two thousand and eighteen. Um, but there's conflicting news coming out because you know people are reporting that Bale has said he doesn't want to play in it. Um, and then when I look, look at the celebrations of when Real Madrid won the league and how on the periphery Gareth Bale was not really getting involved in the celebrations, if you like, I think that it might be a case of where you know, Real Madrid need absolute focus for tonight. Um, they've got a job to do. Um, you know, are they a team that, that can do it? I think you know, they've got a chance of doing it tonight because you know, City aren't particularly great at the back. Um, but I think they've probably just said we just don't need the distraction of Gareth Bale, and there's probably been some words said, and he and he's you know kind of threw his toys out the pram a little bit and said, well I'll just sit this one out. You know I'm not I'm not up for it. And um, I think the thing's been toxic for a good while now. And um, obviously Real Madrid have I uh, seen something on one of the websites, um, might have been Sky Sports or or something like that, saying that Real Madrid regret blocking the China move. Um, you know when when Gareth Bale was offered a million a week to go and sign for for one of the teams over there and there's just the, the whole vibe of it isn't great and you know somewhere in there there's a special footballer who scored some wonderful and really important goals for Real Madrid mm. and that but there's just this this lack of connection really um, between Gareth and, and Zidane and and the club and fan base really and I think there's there's a lot happened I mean obviously we we've seen the banner with you know um, Wales Golf Madrid in that order um, it, it's just not a great situation, and I think Real Madrid will probably be looking to cut the losses at some point very soon.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if we do see the end of Gareth Bale's time at Real Madrid come the end of this transfer window, which of course ends on October the 5th because it's been extended due to the coronavirus pandemic. Steve fleetingly mentioned Manchester City's back line, Marley. They've just signed Nathan Ake. We knew it was on the horizon. They've signed him from Bournemouth. £40 million to £41 million pounds is the reported fee. Good addition, you'd argue for Manchester City, who do need some strengthening at the back. It has been a little bit wobbly for them, although they still managed to finish comfortably second in the Premier League this year.
3: Yeah, I think I think that's good business. Um, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh well, he's he part of a relegated side that that um, that conceded a lot of goals and have done for the last four or five years." But I don't really think that reflects on him as a player. I think he's uh, he's by far the best of that bunch think when you're in you're in a defense with you know no disrespect but people like Simon Francis Adam Smith Steve Cook and you've got a goalkeeper constantly rotating behind you they had Boruch Begovic and then this season they've had Ramsdale and there's always you can't pin you know a poor record on, on one man in a in a five man defensive unit and arguably but even an 11 man defensive unit because everyone has to chip in and do their bit so I think there are, there are there's always bargains that need to be um Taken from from the relegated clubs, uh, like Liverpool got Andy Robertson from Hull. Um, Leicester got Maguire from from Le- uh, from Hull as well. Um, and then recently, obviously Liverpool got Wine Wijnaldum from Newcastle after he came off the back of a, a season where I think he scored fourteen goals. So, if you look at what them them players have done, I mean Robertson and Maguire. Um, of I mean, sorry, Robertson and Wijnaldum have gone on to win the, the league and the Champions League in the last couple of years and Maguire is now the world's most expensive defender so there's always value mm. um, and there's always good defenders and good players that do go down um, and I think you'll see that in coming weeks with you know the cherry picking of Norwich, Watford and Bournemouth players uh, which seem to have started with, with Ake leaving but I think it's great business for Man City because I think he can play um, he can obviously play centre-back um, but he can also play left back, which is obviously a problem problem position yeah. for for Man City, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him start the bigger games there. Um, you know, the ones where you're playing, you've got a particularly dangerous winger. If you're playing say Man United and you know they signed Jadon Sancho, or they've got Martial on, on one wing, then maybe uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, be surprised to see Nathan Ake go out there and try and man mark them out of the game, kind of thing. Um, but obviously they haven't got in tonight but i think next season they'll be uh, the one step closer to uh, to sorting out that defence and mm. they've had a bit of a blow this week with eric garcia saying he wants to leave but i don't think that'll that'll affect their business this season i think they still want another centre back regardless of signing ake so they'll see um they you know they, they've clearly identified the defence as a place to to strengthen mm. and i think even stevie wonder could see that's that, that uh, defence <laughs> needed strengthening at, at some point so it's good to see him doing it.
1: Yeah, and I think Kaladu Koulibaly from Napoli is the other centre half that you mentioned that Manchester City have touted as a possible incoming transfer. Talking about the sign ins of Nathan Ake, who I think is absolutely solid, by the way, and I agree is a good sign in for Man City. They've also brought in Ferran Torres from Valencia, the young winger, 20 years old, who's got bags of potential. Chelsea have brought in Werner, Hakim Ziyech. Looks like they might sign Kai Havertz as well. As a Liverpool fan, Steve, are you slightly concerned that your club haven't strengthened yet, or is it is it too early to press the panic button? Um,
2: yeah, in all honesty, I think that I've said it on the podcast before. I think that um, you know th- this squad is is you know is is into it, um, or certainly first eleven is, is well into its um, development now, and it's been incredibly successful because it's 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 won a lot of honours in such a short space of time. Um, but the reality is if you stand still, you know, you, you, you know, you're going to give people opportunities and I think that it, it's twofold really because we don't have the funds at the minute that, that Man City have and um, you know, it comes to that, that old argument again is that if you've got the most money you'll probably be the most successful um, and people can, can argue for and against that. Um, But the reality is, you know, if I I think if if City do sign Koulibaly and I think, um, who's the other player they've been uh, linked with as well? Um, I I can't remember. It's a really, really good player. Um, Oh, it's Lotaro from uh, Inter Milan, isn't it? Mm. And, um, you know, if they get them two deals over the line and, um, you know, have a, a, a 220 to 275 million summer window... Um, we we can't compete with that Um, and that's the reality of it even though we've got an incredible football team and you know we we don't have the means to do business like that as a club and um, you know that that's we've just got to try and do it with the 11 that we've got on the pitch and I think with Liverpool we will try and solidify our bench a bit and I think that that's what the plan is Um, you know with some of the the players obviously there's an interest in Jamal Lewis from uh, Norwich which I think would be smart business um you know to get him in um, I think you know Norwich aren't very happy with our opening bid because we put in 10 million for him um you know so watch this space on that one and I think he would be good cover for Andy Robertson um I think he's, he's the type of player that you know Jurgen Klopp would like to sign and um, and the other ones obviously that's rumbling on his Tiago from from Bayern Munich isn't it in, in the attacking midfield role mm. um but I think Chelsea have got money, surplus money, because obviously they've, they've had a transfer ban for a couple of windows. Um, and it's just let's see what the first 11s do, because even though Jurgen Klopp has, has done wonders at Liverpool, um, you know, kind of competing with teams that are spending that level of cash, I mean, what will Chelsea have spent if they've signed? Um, I mean, Chelsea, what, 180 million? Um, it may be a 200 million window if they sign you know more players we, we just financially we can't compete with that mm. even though we've we've got a lot of good stuff in place and obviously we've got this massive new nike kit deal that, that started last week Um, it, it's just a, it's just the way it is and and to be a realist um, you know you've got to kind of think well you know it's kind of looking like like City will be the teams to beat next season if they spend all that and
1: cash. And I think as well with Chelsea they've got that loan model which means that they are able to offload a few players for you know 20 million quid here, 15 million quid there and they've got so many of them that they do all add up plus that transfer embargo for a for a window where they didn't make any signings, I think it's probably actually been a blessing in disguise for them this time around when things are a little bit tighter in the pocket for clubs all across Europe. But as for tonight, the Champions League, Marley, Manchester City against Real Madrid. Do you see City scraping through? What's a little score prediction from this one?
3: Uh, I'm finding find it so hard to to see where this is going to go because it's it's so tight. I think I think Man City might just scrape it, might just hang on. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go through and away goals, you know. With Real Madrid winning like 1-0. And then the away goals uh, from Madrid counting. Um, But I I can also see goals in it as well. Because Man City's defence isn't the best. And they've got the capability to go and score. Aguero's
1: obviously not going to play... Uh, well, that's what, that's what Pep's saying that's what Pep's saying he's not going to play I don't know whether we should believe him or one. not because they were hoping that he would be fit in time he's had knee meniscus yeah, surgery will, yeah. um, oh, it's a tough one I, I agree it's a tough one to call I'm going for 2-1 Real Madrid but obviously as you say away goals I think should be enough for Manchester City just to get through but um, well that would lead to extra time wouldn't it yeah it would I, I, still, I still think I still think City would, would just do it um, yeah, I don't I know it why
2: it into extra time I think Real Madrid might might nick it, but you know you you've got to kind of say City because Pep's record in in, in the knockout rounds of the Champions League in his career is is, is insane. Um, you know he's done really well in it, and I think that um, you know Real Madrid have a couple of players missing. Obviously, uh, Diaz hasn't travelled has he because because he's tested positive for coronavirus and. I think it's all set up to be a good game, and I think Real Madrid have got have got a goal for it, and I, you know, so they'll put City on the back foot. And I think you know, it's if they if they start with a real heavy onslaught to to City's defense early doors, they might you know if they go one up, the first fifteen twenty minutes, it's you know it's it's going to be a very interesting night.
1: Who's going to win the whole tournament? Just quickly, because leading into our AQA section of the podcast later, Oscar on Instagram asked this question. He wants to know our Champions League predictions. So. You know, we've said about this game, but I mean, is it one of these two that's going to go on and win the tournament, or do you think it could be someone else?
2: I think it might be someone else. I think, um, you know, I think there's a couple of dark horses in it this this season. I think um,
1: Bayern Munich for me, Steve. That's my point. Yeah,
2: pick. I think Bayern Munich are in there. I think, I think Juventus um, can't be written off uh, at the minute, um, even though they've heavily rotated since they won the league, haven't they, in Serie A and, and lost a couple of games. But. Um, i think you know psg might be a slight outside bet for it as well um but i i think it's the holy grail for man city i think you know it, it's what they want they want more than anything and i think um you know it wouldn't be a massive surprise if they did it
1: Okay, so Manchester City versus Real Madrid tonight. Second leg of the last 16 tie in the Champions League. Can Pep Guardiola and City get through to the quarterfinals? We'll let you know on the next podcast, but it's time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily.
0: Football Social Daily. The crown awaits with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Be gambleaware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
1: Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Nile. Alongside me, I've got Steve and Marley to chat all things Champions League. Well, we've done that bit, but now we're talking about the Premier League again. The five substitution rule. It's been scrapped. Premier League clubs voted yesterday on whether the rule to allow five substitutes in a single match which we saw since Project Restart commenced to finish the season in that flurry of games um, just over the last month or so. That was firmly in place and um, it definitely met mixed opinion, I would say, this five substitution rule. Of course, if you're not familiar with it, usually it's three substitutions and once you've made your three substitutions, that's it. You can't make any more. This five substitutions rule means you can make five subs, but you can still only make three substitutions in terms of a time frame. So you've only got three substitution windows to do that. Sounds a little bit convoluted. Don't worry about it because it's not going to happen next season. Now the clubs have voted against it. It's been scrapped. Jose Mourinho said, Marley, that he would have been in favour actually for keeping this, but the majority of Premier League managers seem to think otherwise. Is this the right decision for you?
3: Yeah, this is, uh, I think this is the correct decision. Um... There was only really one reason it came in, and that was to help with uh, with player fitness. Um, it made no real sense, you know, bringing it in. Otherwise, like I don't think anybody would. If this whole COVID hadn't happened at all, I don't think anybody would have been campaigning for for uh, more substitutes um, in the, in the coming years. So I think um, it's right to get rid of it, and it's right to. It's just I think it's just more fair. I think we've talked in the past about it. It benefiting the big the bigger teams um if uh, if if it was to, to come in for a whole season. Um and I think that's right because, you know, the likes of, you know, Burnley, for example, they, they could barely I think there was a couple of games last season where they didn't even name all nine subs if they could if they um in in match day squads. Because obviously you could you could name up to, to twenty uh, a twenty man matchday squad. So they were struggling, um and I think they finished like tenth in the Premier League. So if they're looking if you're looking at sort of Who's going to be um, stretched resource wise? Then you know half the Premier League is going to struggle, which leaves the big six and you know possibly like Everton maybe if they if they had a few players this summer it, it would um, it would benefit them and it's not as fair as it should be I don't think um, so I'm glad to see uh, England go against the grain because I think a few um, clubs of a few leagues from around Europe have have took it on for next season um, and said, okay, we'll have the five subs next season. And it's hard to see where they go backwards from that. Now. I don't know if they're doing it for next season. Will they do it for the season after it? it, It's almost like once you say, yes, how do you then go backwards? Because clubs will react in the transfer Mm. market and buy more players and it'll disrupt everything. I think so. It's one of them where, um, I'm glad England have said, no, no, we're not having this. We had it for, we had it when we needed it, but we don't need it. If everything's, as it was, and we expect everything to be as it was. So uh, for me, it's a a good decision.
1: To me, I can see both sides of the coin here, Steve. I can understand the differing opinions on this. I can understand why Jose Mourinho said he would be in favour of it because he doesn't see the point of bringing 20 players to a stadium for an away game and then telling two lads that they have to sit in the stands. He doesn't see the point in that. Whereas when you've got five subs, you can just tell them all to sit on the bench. He said it helps team camaraderie. It could encourage teams to play more of their youth players. For instance, Burnley only named, um, you know, less than the nine players available, like Marley mentioned. They could have named some academy players on the bench and given them some experience. You know, it could be good for academy players. And as we've mentioned before, football is an entertainment business now, as sadly, you know, as, as it is for me to say that. Um, and people do want to pay their money for tickets when we're now back in grounds, of course, to see the best players. You know, and if they're not seeing the best players, then they might get a bit upset about that. But I suppose it's just uh, an old rule that doesn't need changing—the substitution rule. Did it really need changing in the first place? Is the other side of the argument, and there are more pressing issues like the handball rule, for instance. For me, is a, is a more serious one to get right than this. So, what's your take on it all?
2: I just think I I quite like the five subs rule. I think if, uh, I think Jose is got makes a good point on it, and I think. My my big thing with it is is the fact that you know you can get more youth involved in it, um, and you can get them like like say in the first team squad on the bench and in amongst it with all all the other lads, um, and I think that you know it, it. I think it makes games exciting really because I think um, if I think of of our last game of the season um, up at Saint James's Park, um, you know when when Jurgen made a change, he brought. Uh, Salah, Mane, and Firmino on at the same time, and I think as a fan, you know, if you're a Man United fan and you've got Rashford, Martial, and Greenwood coming on at the same time, you know, you you still there kind of rubbing your hands, you know what I mean, and just going, "Oh, this is absolutely fantastic!" Because you know they're game-changing substitutions for me, and I think that it makes it a little bit more exciting. Um, I believe it was a, it was voted uh, against um, eleven to nine, wasn't it in the meeting? So it it wasn't. Too kind of um, distant, but I think that um, yeah, I I think it's a shame. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, but I I wouldn't have had any objections to it staying. In terms of the handball rule, um, I I don't know what we need to do to get this right because every single week, um, every game, every every game uh, day, every season, we have all these. Um, inconsistencies about what is what constitutes a, a legitimate handball, and we see players that are punished for doing one thing, and then in the next game on TV, another player will do the same thing, and nothing will happen. Mm. Um, so I think that that is that's critical to get that sorted out. And I think the handballs f- for me are still a massive grey area. I mean, even some of the commentators, um, you know, it, it, the language they use as well, I don't think helps. Um, in terms of clarifying what what handballs are, and um, that yeah they've got to get back round the table with it, and they've got to, they've got to sort it out. I mean they've got enough evidence to look at on in these meetings when someone's putting the PowerPoint slides together, you know, and getting the video ready, um, you know, for everyone to go. Well, let's all agree that you know if 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 it, it, it's his hand from a corner coming in, um, you know, that that, that that's a, a legitimate handball, you know, mm-hmm. so everyone's on the same page with it, and then. You you stop all this this uh, I mean I know these are the talking points that people like us talk about after the games and with friends and once upon a time you know when everyone was kind of in the boozes after the games and stuff like that and you know they give us things to talk about but it, it the stakes are so high now and. Um, you know we've we've got to get these decisions right. We've got all the technology in place. We've got the means to do it. Mm. We've just got to apply the common sense to do it. Because I think you know there's other incidents that that happen and 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 the permutations are massive. I mean you know if you look at that Sheffield United Villa game for, as an example, that's another thing that we don't get right. You know that type of th- stuff, stuff. And you know bomb Bournemouth have stayed up? You know on the back of that, who knows? But it's it, it's really frustrating. I suppose is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, the handball rule, um, I've said this before on the show and did cop a little bit of stick for it on social media when I said it. Um, people think that it's stupid and maybe a little bit harsh. But I just think if the ball hits your arm, whether you mean it or not, deliberate or not, as harsh as it is, is a handball. I mean, I know we have people kicking the ball against each other's hands, but it's no different to the back pass rule where people... You know, when that rule first changed, you still had defenders kicking it back to the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper picking it up and forgetting the rules. I mean, that's going to take. That's going to happen when, with a big rule change. That would be my immediate solution would just be whether it's an accident or not, blah, 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 blah. If it hits your arm, it hits your arm. Um, just the way it should be. That's, that's a personal opinion. Anyway, just quickly before we move on to our AQA section of the podcast, the official nominees for the 2019-20 Premier League Young Player of the Season Award have been released. Uh, six of the eight nominees are English, which is... Always a nice sight uh, as England supporters. I'll go through the names for you now. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Jack Grealish, Mason Greenwood, Dean Henderson, Anthony Martial, Mason Mount, Christian Pulisic and Marcus Rashford. So of that crop, Marley, um, if you were to quickly pluck one name out of those eight, who are you picking for your young player of the season? Uh,
3: it's, well, to be honest, it's a good uh, it's a good little list, isn't it? Um, I think out of everyone... I think Trent Alexander-Arnold's probably going to win it. Um, I wouldn't be too opposed to that, to be honest. Um, he's, you know, the amount of assists he's got from right back, and the 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 fact that he's won the league is going to help him uh, win that award. I think uh, I think he'll take it. But I think Pulisic has been has been good, but it's in terms of the whole season. I'd, he's been injured yeah, too much. Like, he's I not. He's, yeah, he's not been. He's not been. Uh, uh, consistent enough because of his because of his, in, his injuries and stuff like that. Um, Rashford's been amazing, and obviously there's his off-field stuff, which is which might help him along. Um, wouldn't wouldn't be opposed to him winning it either. But um, yeah, I think Trent Trent will get it, and yeah, there isn't too many gripes you could have. I don't think with uh, with that.
1: Yeah, I think, Steve, you're probably going to agree with that. I don't, I don't need to go as far as to ask you. I think you probably <laughs> picked Trent Alexander-Arnold as your pick. But, I mean, if you look at this list, Alexander-Arnold, as Marley said, plenty of assists in the league champion side. Jack Grealish, Aston Villa's... One man band, absolute talisman. Mason Greenwood, awesome first season for Manchester United. You wouldn't think that he was only 18 and it was his first season. Dean Henderson, not often you get a goalkeeper up for the nominations, but again, been brilliant between the sticks for Sheffield United. Martial, 17 goals this season, no penalties. His best return for Manchester United since he arrived. Mason Mount, again, 50 appearances for Chelsea. um, The first academy player to do that. Pulisic, the first genuinely top-class American talent I think we've seen in the Premier League, and Marcus Rashford. Well, again, he keeps doing it season after season. A great crop, as Marley says. Are you sticking with Trent, Steve?
2: Yeah, I think by 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 some way as well. Um, I think looking at the list, I think Honourable mentions to Marcus Rashford, who's been incredible, and and I've waxed lyrical about him on the podcast a lot over the last uh, season. Um, I think he's an incredible player and, and he just delivers time and time again for Man United. I think Jack Grealish, yeah, because of what he's done with Aston Villa, but I just think that the others have, have been on the periphery for a, for large parts of it, apart from Dean Henderson, obviously. Um, you know, Martial's come into form in Project Restart, hasn't he, and been really great. Mason Mounts but had a good season with Chelsea, but. Um, Mason Greenwood is very exciting, but I, I'm going to stick with Trent. You know the goals. I mean, let's not forget he's, he's scored in a good amount of goals as well as a uh, from his position as, as right fullback and the assists and all the honours um, of recent times. But I think that the way that he dictates a game for Liverpool is is just incredible. And I think you know he's the best right back in the world. I think by some way.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. So Trent, Alexander, Arnold, probably most of our picks for young player of the season the other nominees Grealish Greenwood Henderson, Martial Mount, Pulisic and Rashford of course when we find out who wins that we'll let you know here on Football Social Daily time for another short break but afterwards we'll be answering your questions
0: Football Social Daily the crown awaits with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com over 18s only terms and conditions apply please play responsibly be
1: Welcome back to the podcast. Niall, Steve Marley here alongside you on Football Social Daily. And it's time to answer your questions because it is our AQA section of the podcast. Four questions to get through and we'll try and rattle through them as quick as possible. This first one comes from Frank on Instagram. Uh, And don't forget, by the way, you can send in your questions however you want on any of our social media platforms, whether it be sliding into the old Insta or Twitter DMs or letting us know on Facebook as well. You can just search for Sports Social (laughs) here. Just search for Sports Social wherever you get um uh on any social media platform and you'll find us. Um first question does come from Frank on Instagram. This one probably I'll direct at you, Marley. Who will attempt to buy Newcastle United next? A multinational conglomerate or another state? Jesus.
3: <laughs> I don't know. But it
1: you, yeah, I was gonna say there are th- there are three words <laughs> that you could just say, Marley, to answer that question and I think you've already said them. Yeah.
3: I've I'd love to know. I would love to know how this whole saga ends. Um <laughs> I don't, I don't know, it'll be some you know, the the wise money if you were to pre- predict somebody would be on a, Amanda Stabley and a new consortium, because she's tried I think three times now to buy Newcastle, with three different uh, groups, so you know, she's tried with the Saudis, she's tried with Peter Kenyon, and she tried a few years ago with someone else as well, I can't remember what the name was, because there's been that many takeovers that I've almost forgotten how many times we've, we've been down this road without um, reaching the end goal so, um I I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it not be anytime soon. I think the only thing, the only thing that can accelerate it is is Mike Ashley's um, business interests taking a hit thanks to uh, the coronavirus and you know burning a hole in his pocket kind of thing and making him want to sell the club a bit quicker. But is that right for the, for Newcastle? I'm not really sure because if he's doing a quick sale, is he you know doing the due diligence of who's going to take it over and it could open the door to, to worse investors than than the ones we had on the table. Um, anyway, which sounds sounds crazy, but I mean, when you see what happened to to Wigan and to see what happened to Barry, you know, there's clear examples of um, of bad owners slipping it's through nice. the test, you know, and getting through the testing. If if there's some sort of uh, pandemic going on as well, helping people push through sales, then it's one of them where you know it could it could get worse, but on i mean on this whole thing i'm still annoyed that the Premier League is still silent on everything they've still not come out and said why it was um why it wasn't pushed through i don't think like me personally i'm i'm not like i'm not that bothered that they've that they've that the that the deal has stopped i just want clarity of why it stopped like why why didn't they say anything why haven't they got anything to say over the past i think it's, it's nearly nearly 5 months now why is richard masters just sitting in his office hoping this all goes away because it shouldn't it shouldn't be you know in any walk of life the governing body of something will always say something on something that affects them like it's this the ball was in their court for 4 months and they not they didn't do anything they waited um, they, they it was like a stakeout. They waited till uh, the Saudis got got annoyed with the deal and walked away, and they didn't say anything. And we thought, oh, they just thought, oh well, if it, if it goes away, then it's not our problem anymore. But the fact is, you were sat there with you know the the paperwork and the deal on on your desk for four months. You didn't say anything. So let's go. Let's just give the fans some clarity. Like you, you've been accused over the years of not caring about fans and making decisions that doesn't benefit fans. Um, and sort of forgets about them and overlooks them and this doesn't really help you in any way when you're just sort of saying nothing when something needs to be said say say anything anything can be better than nothing because at the minute everyone's just losing losing faith in in what the Premier League is because they're not they're just not saying anything not helping out anyone
1: mm, yeah I think Amanda Stavely might need to start Uh, buying some Euro Millions tickets if she genuinely does want to take over Newcastle United because she has tried enough times as you mentioned right then the next question's from you Steve
2: yeah so this is coming from Mike on Insta so thanks for sending that in mate Um, and his question is do you prefer England's relegation structure or Germany's playoff system so what we thinking on that
1: oh it's got to be relegation it's gotta be. I just think I just think relegation is it's a part of an institution of English football, isn't it? The relegation. Um, and it gives you something to play for, doesn't it, at the end of the season. You know that when a certain time has been reached, that you're either up or you're down. You know, after thirty eight games of the season, if you're in the bottom three, you're down and you're, you know, destined to another season in the championship. I think the playoffs in our country um, are unique. I think the, the championship playoffs are, are different to how they do it in every other country. I think in Scotland they do it as well. The bottom team of the top league plays the top team in the second division. Um, I'm not sure I agree with that because I think teams that do finish at the top of their league do deserve to be rewarded. And I think that that's the way it should be in, in the English game, the way it is in the English game, for instance. You know, who, whoever won the championship deserves to go up. Um, to the Premier League, in this case, Leeds United, they've been the best team over the course of the whole season, and therefore their just reward is to have a stab at the Premier League again for the first time in sixteen years. Now, imagine the drama if Norwich City beat Leeds in a playoff. It'd just be outrageous, wouldn't it? You know, you couldn't you couldn't even imagine the uh, the uproar on social media if that happens. So, yeah, I think to be honest. I think relegation I prefer, although I do quite like the idea of the kind of the 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 extra playoff down in the bottom, you know, between the bottom team and and the the winners of the league below. But I just think it if we adopted that method that Germany had, I think that we wouldn't see the likes of Bournemouth or Brighton or any of those teams in the Premier League because I think you would end up with a with a bigger gap between the Premier League and the championship where. The teams that are in the bottom half of the Premier League would comfortably beat those in the top half of the Championship. And I think we would end up seeing that season after season. It would just be, oh, Norwich stay up again. Oh, Norwich stay up again. So I do think it's only fair that we do it that way around. I don't know what you think, Marley. Um, well, to be honest
3: on this, I, I've i always looked at the, the German League and I quite like the idea of a one-off playoff um, to see who gets, uh, gets that third spot because... I don't know it's just something about it I just think you could market it really well but the one thing I don't like about it which is one thing you have to have if you do have that is the um the playoff system um in the in the in the lower division in this in in England's case the championship that wouldn't happen it would just be who finished third playing whoever finished 18th in the Premier League so you know this season it would have been Bournemouth versus um Brentford for a game in for for a place in the Premier League next season so that that does have a, a thing for me especially when it it always gets to me when um you see championship sides um compete in the playoffs and the team that finishes fifth or sixth wins the playoff it always annoys me as as a team like I could can, I can't imagine finishing third in the league you know six, six seven points clear of fourth. And then, you know, miss out on automatic by it, like a point or goal difference and then getting like stung over the uh over the playoff system. But suppose on on one hand it, it annoys me a little bit, but on the other hand it brings great drama and a massive um a massive game at the end of the season where you've got the playoff final and, and somebody competing to get into the uh, the top division over ninety minutes. So maybe it's one of them. But um one thing I would do to to promotion is um I would I would I, th- I think uh, Serie B has it in in Italy and a few few other leagues around the world They have um, in the second division they have the promotion they have playoffs unless the team finishing third finishes 10 or more points clear of the fin of the team finishing fourth. So for example, like if Brentford had finished 10 points ahead of Fulham, for example this year there would have been no playoffs and Brentford would have went up automatically. Um, I think that's a really good way of looking at it because it, it is a little bit fair, uh, more fair, but I think it's never going to happen in England because we love the drama and we love the you know the massive the TV stuff that goes into the uh, the playoff final and the the whole 160 170 million pound game or whatever it is. So I can't see it changing anytime soon, but I do like the idea of the German the German uh, format. Um, and I do like some of the ideas that go on around the world but I can't see anything changing in England anytime soon
1: no I agree anyway Marley you've got the uh, the final question we do have a question from Sam in real life rather than um, actually on social <laughs> media um, but we're going to have to can that until the next uh, Friday AQA podcast just because we're running short on time but go on Marley finish us off with the final question
3: uh, yeah the final question uh, is coming on uh, on Instagram again from Mike um, and he says could there be uh, a salary cap in UEFA competitions uh, in place of FFP?
1: Oof, I think that's a really tough question. Actually, it's quite interesting that you mention a salary cap because actually today, League One and League Two clubs are voting on whether there should be a salary cap in their leagues. Now, it will be proportionised, so it'll be on a percentage of clubs' revenue. Um, so obviously, it will still encourage the bigger clubs in those divisions, for instance, my team Portsmouth and Sunderland in League One, um, it'll encourage those sides to be able to spend more on players and possibly pick up the best players. However, I do think that it'll make League One and League Two sitting ducks for poaching the talent away and bringing them into the Championship and bringing them into the higher leagues. I think it will actually reduce the competitiveness of those divisions. I do think that mismanagement of owners, as you mentioned on the podcast just a moment ago, Wigan, Bury, Bolton, teams like that. I do think that is a massive issue in our game. And I don't think a salary cap is going to solve that problem. I think what will solve that problem will be, in, will be having a fairer, a more robust, a more rigorous fit and proper persons test and not any old Tom, Dick or Harry coming in to be able to own a football club. I think that should be the main priority in terms of club security. So anyone thinking that, you know, for the fairness of the game, a salary cap will be introduced um it's probably right you know it will be fair i mean if everyone can afford to pay 1300 quid a week or 1500 quid a week in league one and league two for players then you know it is going to be a level playing field but it will also it kind of removes the prestige and tradition of clubs it does put everyone on a level playing field but i do think that it won't really work in the long run and in terms of a premier league salary cap i think we will lose our best talent To other leagues, and I know you mentioned it like a UEFA wide salary cap. Um, How is it fair that if Liverpool, Real Madrid, Manchester City, Manchester United make millions and millions, billions in revenue, that they can't reinvest that into players? I mean, surely, surely that's the point, isn't it? And, and as Phil Hudson mentioned on Wednesday's show, investing in playing talent is not the most stupid thing to do. If Manchester United spend 100 million on Sancho, they know that in five years, when he's 25 and he's still a world-class player, it'd be worth 150, maybe even 200, with the inflation of the market. So, I just think that salary cap is not the way to go. I think FFP hasn't worked. I think we should get rid of it. I think that there needs to be a real thought-out process of how we can implement something which protects clubs and safe safeguards clubs but also keeps them within the parameters of the rules of the competition Um, which is why we're sat here doing a podcast and we're not sat in Geneva or wherever it might be in Switzerland, in the FIFA or UEFA head offices and trying to figure out what the solution is. Although I think half of those boys don't really know what they're talking about either most of the time. So yeah. Um, It's all about who you know, what you know now. Exactly, mate. Exactly, yeah. So I mean, it's just one of those things where I think personally, salary cap, I can see the thought process behind it. I just think we will see the likes of, I don't know, let's say a a Aguero, the best players in this league, They'll be, they'll be poached. I mean, they'll go to China. They'll all go to China. They'll all go to the MLS. I mean, if you can get a bigger payday, then, you know, what, what's the incentive? What's the point? I mean, the, the reason Jadon Sancho will want to move to Manchester United, arguably, is because they're one of the biggest clubs in the world in the history of football. You know, if, if Norwich City can pay the same as Manchester United can, I mean, what's stopping Jaden Sancho moving to Norwich? Then we may as well have a draft system like the NFL. And I just think it would turn football on its head. So I'm not quite sure I'm on board with it, but I do agree that something needs to be done with regards to FFP.
3: What do you think, Stevie? Would you agree? Would you see that yeah, uh, would think, you lose I, I Divock
1: think... to Bournemouth, for example? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think some of need to be done because I think, um, you know, we have... We, there's got to be reform around finances in football. There's no doubt about that. Um, a salary cap for all the reasons that um, have been mentioned just then probably isn't the answer in the premier league and that but we have got to get serious about you know clubs and um, how can i put this without offending like loads of people and um, we've got to get serious about about running our finances properly and being a bit more transparent with it and we've got to operate within our means as well and um, you know and i think that clubs have a responsibility to do that and um and like I said before you know football has got to the point now where if you've got the most money you're going to be the you know the most successful in in that area and I think that is something of that, that um has got to be sorted out really and um salary cap yeah no um but but reform on finances and football more transparency to stop uh, situations that ha- occurring that have happened recently and and the embarrassment for your wafer quite frankly of not being able to to handle a process properly and do do and take you know um what they deem to be the necessary action um you know because they, they, when they've gone to a, a different body you know the, the process is just being laughed out at the first attempt not it so I think you know we do need that we do need um this showing up certainly that the pandemic has been a real wake up call for for finances because some clubs are saying well we just can't enter the market on that level anymore and some are just going well hey you know we'll spend 200 300 million you know uh, euros or pounds and you know it's 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 uh, a bizarre system uh, you know and uh, hopefully we get some kind of clarity on it in the next uh, couple of years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I do agree. Something needs to change, Mike, but we don't know what, nor do you for by the sounds of it. Anyway, that's it for Football Social Daily for today. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget you can hit subscribe or follow or whatever it may be, however you listen to your podcasts. And you won't miss another episode again. As soon as a new one's ready and there'll be three new shows a week whilst the season is in the preseason period, then uh, you'll be notified immediately. So uh, make sure you do that. Hit the subscribe button and uh, we'll see you next
0: time. Football Social Daily. The crown awaits with a 100% up to 150 pounds, plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at KingCasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.